God not being in all of our thoughts and our thoughts are not like God thinking. We need to have a changing of our mind, of our thought processes and what exactly do we think of. Isaiah the 55th chapter 8 through the 9th verse says, For my thoughts are not like your thoughts, nor your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. You see, link there, ways and thoughts, because normally what you're thinking carries you in that direction or that path in that way. There's a way of holiness, and that's what God has a way of holiness. Uh, He said, for my thoughts are not like your thoughts, and I want to pause that wouldn't be abbreviated thought on what I was talking about. Uh, In that 55th chapter, it's coming off saying, Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way. Now, see, there's a way, and that's the evil way. And that's why it says, with the wicked and everything, our ways and thoughts are not like his. He says, let the wicked forsake his way, and the unrighteous man his thoughts. And let him return unto the Lord, and he will have mercy upon him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. Now we see that we're talking about Christian people, a people of God, being wicked and unrighteous because it says, let him return unto the Lord. So he's done went down the wrong path, the wrong way. Now this is to the people that were will come back from the captivity and God had a plan for them. He had a design for their life and he had a design for our life, a purpose and a direction. But what has happened, the world has shaped our worldview. Our thoughts and emotions and ways that has turned away from God. And so this is inclusive of the Gentiles. This is to the church as we're looking at. The book of Deuteronomy, talking about evil thoughts, says, 15th chapter and the ninth verse, Beware that there is no wicked thought in your heart, saying, The seventh year, the year of release, that is remission or pardon, is approaching, and your eye is hostile, that is unsympathetic towards your poor brother, and you give him nothing since he would not have to repay you, for he may cry to the Lord against you, and it would become a sin for you. Here, the context of what they were talking about during the time of Jubilee of redeeming of property and Israel, God had certain laws to where you couldn't lose your land or you couldn't lose rights to certain property and that at the seven-year time of restoration, if it's been and out past that time, you would have to forgive him of that debt and restore it back to him. So in wickedness, you wouldn't make the deal because you wouldn't be making anything off of it. But that's not considering your brethren. That's looking from from an advantageous point of view of your point of view. And God said that's wicked thinking because it's self-centered thinking. It's thoughts of greed and covetousness. And that's why he says, beware that there is no wicked thought 
in your heart. And that's what we have thoughts that make a pattern for our ways. Our thoughts is schemes and devices. And God doesn't think like that. God thinks in, as a parent. A parent should be thinking as about a child, as a man would his spouse and his family or whatever, that whatever decisions or whatever thing you're doing, you incorporate them in it. You think about them first. They're in your utmost parts of your thought. Uh, Here in Psalm 64, 6-7, David has a psalm here of David to the chief musician for prayer for protection from secret enemies. Prayer for protection from secret enemies. Psalm 64, 6-7 says, They devise acts of injustice, saying, We are ready with a well-conceived plan. For the inward thought and the heart of a man are deep, that is, mysterious and unsearchable. But God will shoot them with an unexpected arrow, Suddenly they will be wounded. That's the amplified version. The living version says they keep a sharp lookout for opportunities of crime. They spend long hours with all their endless evil thoughts and plans. But God himself will shoot them down. Suddenly his arrows will pierce them. There's a lot of time people are plotting on us and we don't even know they're plotting. Making devices and schemes and that's the depravity of man unconverted from God plus that's God's people that are not seeking after God that are not letting God's spirit eradicate the old man in other words mortifying the deeds of the flesh repenting and turning away from what you are God has then shown you what you are you've come to a point the see your depravity the see the depths of how far in the mire you are. And so you want to change your thinking and God's spirits in you starts a regenerating effect in your life to turn you back toward God to put you on the right path, the right course of life to where you can one day see God face to face, that you can walk in the way of holiness, that your way and path are aligned because now your thought life is in agreement with God because two can't walk together unless they agree. And God does all of the thinking. Let's let God do all of the thinking to think his thoughts after him and not to think of our thoughts. We must renew our mind the way we think, the way we approach problems and everything. God's going to take care of the enemy. God's going down a lot of times those that's setting traps and snares for you, place them in God's hand. Allow God to take care of even the hidden arrows that people are devising schemes against you. As Joseph brothers devised schemes and devices against him, he was sticking to God. He was sticking to the righteousness of God. That's why he told Potiphar's wife that I could I do this sin and sin against God. So you have to keep God in your focus, in your mind, that God, retain God in all of your thoughts. That's your thought life. Bring every thought into the captivity and obedience of Jesus Christ. Psalms in 94th Psalm, 11 through the 15th verse says, The Lord knows the thoughts of man, 
that they are mere breath that is vain, empty, and futile. Blessed with wisdom and prosperity is the man whom you discipline and instruct, O Lord, and whom you teach from your law, that you may grant him power to calm himself and find peace in the days of adversity until the pit is dug for the wicked and the ungodly. That those that follow God, God gives a great peace. We have great peace, an inner calm, an inner temperance, a fortitude, a pressing on, a waiting for God, of wisdom and knowledge and understanding. While those around us, a pit is being dug. They're digging a pit for themselves. It's those that seek out vengeance and revenge. And as the old saying goes, when you dig one grave, you just trust to dig two. Because when you try to ensnare someone, you end up ensnared. For what a man soweth, he shall reap. But we are in a new way of thinking that we don't no longer take vengeance. Vengeance is God's. We leave God to take care of the wicked. Uh, that's the Amplified Version. Um, the Living Version reads, The Lord is fully aware of how limited and futile the thoughts of mankind are. So he helps us by punishing us. This makes us follow his path and gives us respite from our enemies while God traps them and destroys them. The Lord will not forsake his people for they are his prize. Judgment will again be just and all the upright will rejoice. So he chastens his children for the wrong that they're doing for the things that when they go astray, when they're thinking wrong, in all of the paths that they go down, God punishes us. And that, that's why we have to bring all of those thoughts into captivity, obedience of Christ, casting these things down because we know that something is wrong. That's temptation. A bird's trying to build a nest in our in, in, in home in us. And we have to cast those thoughts out. When we go to thinking wicked thoughts. This thought is not from God. If I'm not thinking for your for your betterment, if I'm thinking of something to drag you down and to do something to you that's not biblical because later on Paul's going to tell us what we should be thinking of. So if these are the things that keep us up at night, schemes and devices and folly and foolishness or whatever. Our thought life is all jumbled and we need regeneration. We need to be regenerated by the Word of God. Yes. Television and everything else and computers and people are reprogramming us to think as the world. And God's calling us out of the world to be separate from the world. It says, uh, Proverbs 23 and 7 says, for as he thinks in his heart, so is he in behavior. It's one who manipulates. He says to you, eat and drink, yet his heart is not with you, but is begrudging the cost of putting on this feast. Um, I'll read it in the living version. Don't associate with evil men. Don't long for their favors and gifts. Their kindness is a trick. They want to use you as their pawn. The delicious food they serve will turn sour in your stomach and you will vomit it and have to take back your words of appreciation for their kindness. People set up all types of tables and uh, 
events and things trying to ensnare the people. There's a suit going on at the school board now for they said last year they had an event and put an event on with they invited the people to a summer of hope or something and they tried proselytizing and doing some other things during that period of time. But I remember I was a salesman at this uh, livestock distribution place and I was one of the salesmen and I was a purchasing agent also. And the salesmen would come along and they would take us out to dinner. Some of the trucking association people would take me out to dinner from the different truck lines to try to get me to do business with them or try to fix up an order or something. That's part of the whining and dining, the way the world operates to ensnare you. It's not a festive occasion as should be. And that's why Daniel said he decided not to eat up the king's table because with this eating and drinking that then they would have food that was forbidden for him to eat or whatever. But it was evil associations, and I tried not to have as many associations of gatherings of festivals and things that I attend. I tend to stay back and less, even as a pastor, the socializes as less as possible because of the evil influences in the world. And we're living in a wicked and evil time, and there's a lot of devices and schemes the devil and the wicked in the world are up to. Politically, religiously, socially, in any and all ways, even with the family within the home. So we have to watch our associations and watch who we eat with. Watch the intentions because God, as we stay closer to God and our thoughts up on Him and His ways to keep us pure and keep us from being contaminated by the world, he starts to give us gifts and discerning of spirits and perception and perceive certain things. So that's how our thoughts and our ways have to be that we're walking circumspectively through this world because somebody may send you an invitation, and I tell you about it, I get in mails and letters in the mail all the time, well, you qualify to be pre-approved to buy this car. You want to make this loan. You want to. There's all types of things people inviting you in. There's many a temptations and snares out there, and we have to be careful and with prayer and supplications, sift everything through God, sift everything through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Prayerfully praying to God to guide and lead us. Proverbs 24 and 9 is one of the ones I talked about when we were opening up. It says, The thought of foolishness is sin, and the scorner is an abomination to man, to men. That's the King James Version. I'm reading that today to give you an idea of the other two versions, what they said. Now, there's other versions that J.B. Phillips and uh, the Schofield and the Ryrie Bible hands or whatever. But let me just read these two since I kind of keep y'all in these three different ones here. But I, I would advise you to research and, and seek after God. Read a lot of different biblical material, sometimes different Bibles and research concordances and commentaries. We're living in an evil time and we have to get back to God and studying His Word showing ourselves 
approve rightly dividing the word of truth sometimes taking opinions and ideas from different sources not to be dogmatic from one source or one place or whatever we open ourselves up to sometimes deception in that way and that's how a lot of times children or young people break away from the denomination of the religion their parents raised them in because a lot of times we're partial to what we've grown up in and everybody else is damned then they'll go to hell and we're the only ones right and we get out there and see there's a whole world out there and our eyes start opening up and we see some truth that we were dogmatic about really wasn't the truth it was just a private interpretation to somebody else's idea but we must go out there and seek and search for God he will allow himself to be found if we search for him as for silver or gold it's the most precious thing we can do is searching and seeking for God. It says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and everything else will be added unto you. The Amplified adds in the, last, the B portion of that verse, it says, Devising of folly is sin, and the scoffer is repulsive to men. A scoffer, and, and we've seen political scoffers, religious scoffers, we've seen many of scoffers and they are very repulsive. You, you develop a certain attitude, a disposition as you grow in Christ, a certain temperament, and a certain lack of tolerating, uh, compromising with things and people of the world. There's a, a good deal of sincerity that develops in the man, in the inner man, as we build in Christian character. The Living Bible says the rebel's schemes are sinful and the marker is the scourge of all mankind. So we're looking at Proverbs here, the wisdom literature of Proverbs that's telling us about these people because a scheme would have to be from a rebel. Anyone that schemes and has devices is not dealing with the clean and unapproachable word of God see because when we go to path the, the way of righteousness that which God directs us into God guarantees that path God guarantees the finish he's directing all of our paths and he leads us in paths of righteousness God is not a schemer he's not one that has devices that trick and foolish and, and vainness the book of Matthew the ninth chapter the fourth verse says, And Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, Wherefore think ye evil in your hearts? And that's what I was telling you. We can develop capacities as God was with Christ to be with us. If we grow in the stature and measure of Jesus Christ, we start to develop in gifts of the Spirit. God gives us gifts of the Spirit. He sets certain gifts in the church to protect one another and to protect the church. And that's what we have to see. And when we begin to be serious with God and search for him with all of our heart and start to leave out of this world because with fear and trembling, we're working out a salvation that we know that there are a lot of people with deadly thoughts and things around us. And that's why the Pharisees really hated Jesus because he could see their thoughts there were emotions and things going on and different thoughts being presented that you start to, with emotions and things God 
shows you and gives you wisdom and understanding to understand the hands, the gestures, the whole language of people. God starts to open up your mind and your eyes to all sorts of things till you've been closed for prior to that time. The Living Bible says Jesus knew what they were thinking and asked him, Why are you thinking such evil thoughts? He had heard a paralytic man and it was on a, a Sabbath day and they were thinking and, and talking about Jesus. But we have to be aware, and that's why he says, I think not that I've come to bring peace, I've come to bring a sword. He gives us an inner peace. He gives us swords also to, to separate. The word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword. So our word of God is our sword. And it's a discern of spirit and thought. We get here to Paul in the book of Corinthians when he says that uh, what we're doing here in First Second Corinthians, he says we must choose on choose on those things we allow to remain in our thought life. Second Corinthians ten and five says, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God in bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. We are destroying sophisticated arguments in every exalted and proud thing that sets itself up against the true knowledge of God. And we are taking every thought captive that is a purpose to captive obedience unto Christ. Because people bring in things, like I say, from their religion or whatever, and we refute them with the Word of God. We set things straight with the Word of God. So sometimes the punishment or the chastisement or the rebuke is steadfast and in the Word of God. That's why Jehovah Witnesses and different people who've studied, they have stronger ones in their organization to they say, well, look, we're we not going to argue, we're not going to talk about that. I'll bring somebody back with me next time or whatever. See, because we have to be able to tell people of the hope that is within us. And he gave Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, his apostles. He gave people Joseph. He, if you look through the ages, just like he was with Moses, he told Joshua he would be with him and that no man could withstand him. So we're warring with the word of God. We're not warring with carnal weapons. That's why in our prayer life, all we are armed with, when he says, put up your sword, Peter. He says, put down those swords, but later on he says, take your sword. But that sword he was talking about was the word of God. The word of God is more powerful than anything that ever was devised by man. There's nothing more powerful than the word of God. You can just speak things into existence. He told Peter, how would you like to have those things that you say? So we can't waste words. The power of life and death is in words. So we need to be careful with our words and know that God has sent us out to be harmless as doves or sheep, but to be wise as serpents. So a dove or a sheep is not a vital 
a, a, a vicious animal, one that attacks or whatever, they're more or less docile. But you, he said, be wise as a serpent. God gives us wisdom and understanding. And if we like it, ask God for wisdom in prayer. Call upon the Lord. That's why I went back to that seven verse. It says, let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts and let him return unto the Lord and he will have mercy upon him and to our God for he will abundantly pardon it. So calling upon the Lord, returning unto the Lord, calling upon him is praying unto him. We must first submit ourselves unto God before we can resist the devil. The devil's not going to flee for us if we're not in full submission unto God. That's why when Michael was disputing with the Satan over the body of Moses, he didn't bring a railing accusation against the person of Satan. He says, the Lord rebuked you. The Lord rebuked you. Yes. Matthew, 15th chapter, 18 through 19 verses says, But evil words come from an evil heart and defile the man who says, who says them. For from the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, fornication, theft, lying, and slander. Uh, the living version says, For out of the heart come evil thoughts and plans, murders, adulteries, sexual immoralities, thefts, false testimonies, and slanders, that is, verbal abuse, irreverent speech, blasphemy. All of those things come that when you see a person's conversation, uh, their character, all of the things that's coming out, you can tell a man by what comes out of a man. Those are the things that defile the man. Those are the things that sometimes you can tell false professors. You can tell where that person stands by the words that they speak. Because we have to give account for every idle word that we speak. Now, I told you earlier that we need to do away with foolish talking and jesting and vain thoughts and filthy dreams because what we're doing he's creating us anew we're creating a new creation in Christ Jesus so that means all of the internal part is being made anew from the interior by the spirit in other words the spirit is purging this old vessel but we have to put the vessel to death because we carry it around with us and it can revive. It's carnal and it's like waking up the old man. Waking up that old nature. So we have to watch what we're doing. Uh, we'll start waking up, bringing parts that we thought were dead. We start bringing it back to life again. So we have to mortify and yield ourselves unto God, not yield ourselves unto unrighteousness. But we have to know the Word of God to do that. We, the Word of God is what's washing us and cleansing us. Yes. That's, that's what's doing the work in us, that He's sprinkling us with clean water, that He is writing His laws upon our heart. But you remember I tell you, with, along with the thoughts, come away. We have to walk therein 
in that way, in that path of righteousness that His Spirit is leading us down. We have to be actual doers of God's Word. So not only thinking and knowing what's right, we have to be doers of that. We know what to do. So God's going to enable by His Spirit to give us the power and the will to do. Because we're not born again by the will of man, but it's by the will of God. So His Word working in us both to will and to do. And that's why we have to have that mind. It's the thought processes. The thoughts is what develops the man. That which you think of, that's what you become. What a man thinks on or what a man is saying, he becomes of those things. Uh, evil imaginations. Imagination as... As like you remember I was talking about filthy dreamers Wednesday I think about the book of Jude it says these filthy dreamers defile the flesh we have to watch our thought life and a lot of television movies and other things that people do say uh, out in society or places we go or events we intend they gender to work on your imagination the computers and the day technology, it tends to work on your thought life and it's able to implant to where your imagination could become an evil or wicked imagination, devising more wicked and wicked ways to kill and destroy people. I keep telling y'all about that movie. I hadn't seen it. I, I, may have, I don't even know if I've seen previews from it about the Equalizer something three where Denzel is doing this revenge or doing this killing on Saw and all of those pictures. But if you we look at television and we look at wars, we look at game shows, we look at all of this, it's more and more devices and ways how to kill or destroy people or do what is wrong, what is wicked. That's why God destroyed man and the whole world in the time past. Genesis 6 and 5 says, And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. That's all he thought about is a continually uh, evil. And the world is breeding covetousness in us. That's what advertising and things. Everything you see, you have to have. They are on iPhone 15 now. And like I was telling my wife or my son or somebody the other day, it ought to be against the law that we just get used to one phone and then they say that one is outdated. Six months later, a few months later, here another one you have to pay a few hundred dollars for get under contract to get. And me, I don't use my phone for that much different stuff. Mine is mostly MP3 player. I do a good bit of texting and sometimes phone calls and check emails and different things on. But as much as this phone do, none of us use it that much. And the young people use it for social media and all of those things. They, uh, the doctors and things are talking about how many people injure themselves and walk into different things and driving and everything while texting or looking at that phone or whatever. The Living Virgin says, When the Lord God saw the extent of human wickedness, 
and that the trend and direction of men's lives was only toward evil. Man's not getting any better. The depravity of man, no, there will never be a day that man becomes one with God without God being the center of that picture, that God being the focus. That's why Jesus says he had to destroy the world and he's going to create a government. That mankind there's ne- never will be the way man's going in a utopian society. So not giving enough time. No, he's not going to ever do right. God has to intervene and destroy this world and set up and establish his kingdom. Genesis eleven six, and the Lord said, Behold, they are united people. They become one, and they all have the same language. This is only the beginning of what they will do in rebellion against me. And now no evil thing that they imagine they can do will be impossible for them. And that's what he said. Well, let us go down and scatter their language. See, they were building a tower to reach the heavens or whatever, but it was in evilness. It was in rebellion against God. That was Babylon. That was man working its way. That's why he tells us to come out of Babylon. Yes. And that's what the nations, that's what the world is today. They united in wickedness and evilness. God's calling us out of Babylon just like his people. He always, and that's who he's talking to in this 55th chapter, that he has a plan for his people. But we need to turn toward him and seek his face to come out from among that crowd and be ye separate, and he'll be a God unto us. We need to do something, and that is come away from this world, this world system. This world's political, religious, and social system. This world, the way of this world is passing away, and God's passing it away. The foundations are being destroyed. The book of Romans, the first chapter, Romans, the 21st verse. I'll read a few other verses, but it says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. Our leading sermon on sermon audio is the wrath of God is revealed against unrighteousness of men. And I, I took it from this verse here, but... On Sermon Audio, that's by far our leading one. It has thousands of hit. But um, it says, The wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. So they have the truth. In other words, they suppress the truth. That's what they do in this nation. That's what they're doing. They suppress the truth in unrighteousness. So that's why God's calling his people back because you know what the truth is, but you're rebelling against it. You're doing it in unrighteousness. And you can tell this is a rebellion against God that he's allowing. He's going to allow this because in Revelation he said, He that is unrighteous, let him remain unrighteous. He that is unjust, let him remain unjust. He told them the same thing as he told them during the flood that my spirit shall not always strive with man. Who hold the truth in unrighteousness because that which 
because that which may be known of God is manifest in them. For God had showed it unto them. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse, because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God. Neither were they thankful, but became vain in their imaginations. They became vain in their imaginations. And their foolish hearts was darkened. In other words, their minds, their thought life, it was coming from the abuse, from uh, uh, the place of darkness, of the place of no knowledge, from the bottomless pit. On the contrary, they became, the Amplified Virgin says, on the contrary, they became worthless in their thinking. That is, godliness with pointless reasoning and silly speculations. Their heart, their foolish hearts was darkened. Uh, the Living Version says, after a while they began to think up silly ideas of what God was like and what he wanted them to do. The result was that their foolish minds became dark and confused. They couldn't even define what a woman was or what a man was or what marriage was. They confused that with same-sex marriage. They confused that with ideology about trans, LGBT, whatever all these other things is, and binary and non-binary and pronouns and all of this. The, a confusion of languages, a confusion of thoughts and ideas rationalization technology has destroyed them but they they knew God but they came away from God they didn't want to retain God in their thoughts we have to retain God in our thoughts not that they didn't know God that's what this, he says that when they knew God they wouldn't worship him and glorify him as God they worshiped the creature the creation before they would worship the Creator. The covenant breakers. Now, He had made an everlasting covenant with the people, but they broke the covenant. That's why He came out with a new covenant designed for those that He was going to write it on their hearts. He was going to fix a people that they couldn't because He was going to cause them to work, walk in His way. These are the people that was born by the will of God. These are the ones that who will wash themselves in the blood of the Lamb. This is a, a committed people. These are people that are taking actions that, that are forcibly going this way that God wants them to go. That's the sacrifice that they're making. Psalm 10 and 13 says, Why do you let the wicked get away with this contempt for God? For they think that God will never call them to account. They think the world just will go on as is. That there's some deist, create, deist God created the earth and wound it up and just let it run. That he's not managing his creation. That God's not going to call us to account. 
He says, every sin and transgression shall receive its just right compense of reward. Go on about your business, Moses. Those that sin against me, I'll take care of those. Now you're going to pay for your sins. But that's a way that you could pay for it through suffering. You may have to suffer. That is, except the sin bearer, the one who, that is Jesus Christ. He atoned for your sin. Now, that's the only way that you don't are not paying for your sin, is that he paid for that sin. Yes. But to, to be his disciple, to be his follower, you have to take up your cross and deny yourself and follow after him. So that means you have to continue in his word. So that promise is conditional. So it's not that you could continue in sin that grace shall abound. No, let him that name it the name of Christ depart from iniquity, cease from sin. Wherefore doeth the wicked contemn God? He had said in his heart, Thou wilt not require. It's not a matter of them thinking God does not exist but that they are denying God. That's what Romans says. They deny God. They are in rebellion against God. So these people are in church knowing what God says, but we're, we're not looking that he says that they shall plead together. He made a male and female. But now you want to do, do some speculation, some silly reason or rationale that you can take hormones and that you can change a person biologically from being what God created them to be? It is, that you can still hate your fellow man, that you could go and be a racist, a, 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 a prejudice, that you can hate your brother, you can hate your fellow man, you can have all these things and still be a God-fearing person? He says, don't do that to the alien among them, to love your enemy. So you can conduct war and kill and steal and rob and come unto God and do all of these things? That's what the difference was in God's people. He says, put a difference between that which is holy and that which is not holy. God's people had blurred the lines. And in Babylon, they had further blur blurred the line due to wealth and the things and the ways of Babylon. There were countless millions of them that remained in the Babylon. Cyrus had to tell people, I would pay if you just go back. You could freely go back to, to where you came from, to God, to the living God. But the majority didn't. It was only a remnant came back. If you look at the book of Ezra and Nehemiah, they named the families that came by. God keeps a record. He keeps a book. He knows everybody by name. There's a book. Your name is written in a book. And there's a book of life. But there's another book. They do not want to believe that he is there. He has denied God by denying or renouncing what God says about himself. And that's why we start doing this. Psalms 10 and 4, the wicked through the pride of his countenance will not seek after God. God is not in all of his thoughts. That's why I say we do we, we start thinking and doing things without God. We Jesus what does Jesus say? Without me you can do nothing. 
Without me, you can do nothing. Unless God build a house, you laboring in vain. God says plainly in many scriptures that he will judge for sin. This is what the Ten Commandments are about because they define what sin is. Sin is the transgression of God's law. God's righteous character is his laws. By them we know what is good and what is not good. So we can come into judgment before him without excuse. A reason Christ came was to qualify to be that judge. To judge all on the last day. So he's our judge. The same as our advocate with the Father. The Father had given all power unto him. So he's paid the price. We, however, are going through our judgment right now. Those of us that are uh, come unto Christ, we're judging now that we be not judged. We're being judged now. Judgment begins at the house of God. We are pulling off the old man, putting on the new man. We're clothed in righteousness. So let judgment begins at the house of God. You remember I say, he punishes us, he punishes his children, he chastens each one. And everybody that come unto him, we will have to plumb the line. We're going to have to toe that line. Don't think that this is not going to happen to you. That's what Mordecai told Esther, that she was sent for such time as this. Don't think that this this is not going to happen to you if you don't do something now and God has sent somebody else. The wicked man has fooled himself into believing that God will not require an accounting for sin. He don't think God's going to judge sin. He, he look at Jesus Christ. That's why they teach about this Jesus Christ. This is another Jesus that they talk about. That's why Jesus tells them those that follow that Jesus and had all kinds of works were depending on their works. But Jesus said he never knew them. He thinks God will not pass judgment on him. He thinks he would just let his sins slide. God doesn't let sins slide. Either you pay for sins or you accept Jesus paying for your sin. But if Jesus paid for your sin... You have to continue in His Word. You have to abide in Him. You have to take up your cross and deny yourself. Now, the people are really not atheists, but because they believe there is a God, so they're not atheists, all of the people believe that there is a God. They believe in Jesus. A lot of them believe in a different Jesus. But they live their life as if God did not exist. They dress, carry on life, speak, act, and do everything as though God's presence is not right there with them. You know, you're in the presence of God, whether you practice the presence or not. God is on the throne. God is sovereign. He's omniscient. He's omnipresent. The wicked man here then could be somebody who professes Christ, a professing Christian, but his lifestyle betrays his real inner conclusion that there is no God. That's the layer of the sin. You remember the layer of the sin, his lifestyle. And God says he wished he were hot or cold, he was going to spew him out of his mouth. He's what you call an antinomian, an antinomian. 
antinomian is one who holds that under the gospel dispensation of grace, the moral law is of no use or obligation because faith alone is necessary to salvation. So they're saying the law and all of it, everything is done away with. That's not what Christ said. He says the ordinances of the law. But that not one jot nut till will disappear from the law till all be fulfilled. So now if you are in the faith to Christ, you have established the law of God. See, but an antinomian has a bad understanding. One who rejects a socially established morality. An antinomian is one who rejects socially established morality. We see that in the Republican Party that they're trying to redefine morality and the world, even the world, respects the work, the rule of law. This is what this nation was supposedly founded on, the rule of law. Now, as a society, they're tearing down the rule of law politically and religiously. So if they were under faith, if they were under God's grace, the 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 premise that they're fighting on, the principle that they're fighting on, they would look at in the book of Romans, the 13th chapter, in the first verse, it says, obey those who have rule authority over you. Yes. So they would be subject to this world's government. You remember, Daniel and them even worked in the Babylonian government. When, when they rebelled against the Babylonian government because of religious property, because of their God has a theocracy that God tells us to labor for man but labor for man as we laboring unto God so they were righteous in, in, in Nebuchadnezzar's cabinet Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and Daniel Christians should be some of the most devout workers the best workers that you should have on a job but Daniel rebelled against Praying, you remember he said that he still went and prayed unto God. Even the midwives during Pharaoh's time, God respected their moral choice because that's by faith. That's through God's grace. So Daniel by faith through grace. So everything, if you under God's grace, how was Noah saved? Noah was saved by grace. Abraham is the father of faith, but all of us in a way have had, we have the faith of Abraham because we see him that is invisible, that is the invisible God. He had appeared, the grace of God has appeared to all men. But whether you work or whether you reject it, it comes out in your actions and the direction you take that God leads you to him. God brings you because it God, it's God that causes you to search and seek him out. There's none good, no, not one. So none of us would be drawn to God unless God draws us on him. He, he says, I've chosen you. You hadn't chosen me. So now that he chose you, he gives you a mind and he recreates your mind. He's forming, renewing your mind by transforming your mind. To let that same mind be in you that is in Christ Jesus. 
So there's an operation that's taking place, a regeneration that puts your thought in mind over him. Just like the spirit brooded over the earth and brought forth. The spirit of God hovers over us. It even prays for us when we can't pray or don't know what to pray. The spirit makes it intercession and it prays for us. So the Spirit is creating and making us in His image and likeness. But what we have to do is present our bodies as that living sacrifice unto God. We have to die to self. We no longer belong to ourselves. Our bodies don't belong to us. So we can't do what we want to do. That we want to do, we do not. Because why? The Spirit is convicting us. And we don't want to grieve the Spirit. So when we do something wrong, the consciousness in the book of Rome, Romans, Paul talked about the Gentiles and the conscience of man convicting or excusing us. There are some people that convicted that God gives them a conviction. That's what the Holy Spirit is given here for the do to convince us, to convict us of sin. It convinces us, it shows us. Exact. This is the mirror that we look in and see our dirt, see our depravity in his word. It shows us what type men we are, who we are. Some of us go away not seeing the filth and dirt on us, seeing exactly our depravity. Paul came to the point where he said he was the chiefest of sinners. The more you learn in God's word, the farther you walk in God's word, the more you see just how messed up you was. Spiritual blindness. I, I don't have time to go that far. I'm on page 8. I had set aside 20 pages today, and as usual, I won't get there. I won't even get to page 12 when I was wanting to tell you about Paul directs us in how we should be thinking and what goes on after this antinomium because like I said these people made a profession these people was Christians that professed Christ but that's what the church is full of today is professors it's the blind leading the blind the spiritual blindness that's Matthew the 6th chapter the 21st to the 24th verse but let me just call it a day right there. And we didn't meet Sunday and we didn't go over what I wanted to do Monday. Uh, so I'm going to start this this Sunday. We'll start this teaching on thoughts again this Sunday. I'll preach on this this Sabbath day. And then we'll go on. I don't know how much more we could do in this chapter. And Heavenly Fathers, we come before you this day, Lord God.